0: I've crossed many rivers in my life, driven over bridges to cross most of them. A few streams I crossed by wet and muddy foot splashes. There's a few I sat beside and watched or listened to. Some I even waded into, canoed in, or floated down. What power, what deep knowledge is in the river. Over the years, the river has taught me a lesson, a meandering, winding lesson about welcome. When did I start to listen to the river? As it turns out, I have many early memories of moving water, of streams and creeks and ditches, and each for me I imagined as a river, although I know there are technical differences. I remember the ditch in my backyard with minnows and tadpoles caught in jars to be marveled at and then, of course, released back to hide under the leaves in the water. Or the stream near my aunt's house, wide and shallow, with a dazzling array of little smooth stones to walk on or search through. I always felt these streams inviting me. Come along and see where I go. Find the treasures within. They welcomed my curiosity. And in streams and ditches, I discovered new worlds. The moving water in all these places has a mystery and a power, but an early encounter on a mighty river taught me another lesson of welcome. It was the mighty Mississippi, and I was about seven. I lived not far from the river, and my best friend's dad drove a tugboat, pushing barges up and down the river. I remember standing in awe of the levee, this giant, expansive concrete wall with steps and a steep slope, all of this hard concrete to hold back something that seemed so inviting and soft to me as water. But the mighty Mississippi and North Mississippi is not soft and gentle, it is mighty. My friend would worry about her dad on stormy days and nights. The river could be choppy. Would he be safe? Apparently, I realized the river and beautiful moving water that seemed so inviting could be dangerous. Then one beautiful calm day, I got to go with my friend to visit her dad at work. To my delight, he actually let us have a try at the helm of the tugboat pushing a barge. Sitting in the captain's chair, this was new to me. My friend had done this before, but the amazing power for a seven-year-old at the helm on the river. As as the boat moved, the river answered, and it was this incredible experience of the boat up and down at the mercy of the river, even the giant barge at the mercy of the river. I felt incredibly small, and also, in that moment, also, I felt like I had some of the power of that immense river. Where would it take us, I wondered, into the unknown. Now, I never followed the Mississippi to the Gulf, of course, and although it felt like hours that I was at the helm, I'm pretty sure it was at max five minutes, maybe two or three, that I was governing a barge. But I was caught up in the mystery after that. A seven-year-old girl at the helm on the river Where did it come from? Where did the mighty river come from? I imagined it came from a huge lake on top of a mountain. Or maybe it came from Niagara Falls. Later, my dad showed me a map, and I was mystified that the river came from smaller and smaller streams from everywhere, and then they disappeared into nothing on the map. How could this be? When I was on the mighty river, I saw no streams. And yet they were all there underneath. After the boat ride, the river was still welcoming to me, immensely powerful and even dangerous, but with a new meaning of welcoming, a meaning that has unfolded for me over the years. Welcoming the creativity of all contributions, no matter how small, and joining in a force beyond everything and towards a mysterious goal. More together. What can river teach us here about welcoming? What are our river stories? There is a literal river in this congregation's history, a small one more precisely called a creek, Akatink Creek. Back in 1980, Unitarian Universalists from three different congregations in Oakton and Arlington and Mount Vernon got together to form this congregation, and the people who gathered to discuss the name wanted a not a place name, because coming from so many places, a place name would privilege some and exclude others. If we were the Berk Church, would we not be not the Mount Vernon people? So they chose Akatink Creek because the creek and its tributaries wound their way through virtually every neighborhood that housed those first members. The decision to be inclusive is a stream that runs through this congregation. It is a desire to come together across difference. Know it or not, this is a source that we can draw on. It is waiting for us. It is in our water. And yet there is another source Another source running through the name Akatink, an unseen stream that now also comes through us in what we shall create. Where did the Akatink Creek begin? Before the lake, before the creek running from Oakton through Fairfax and over through West Springfield was called Akatink, there was a village at the end of a hill. What village? For thousands of years, the land where Akatink Lake now sits which we call Springfield, was situated between the Piscataway and Manahawk nations. For now, according to nativeland.org, we aren't certain whether Akatink Lake and Creek or Manahawk or Piscataway land. It's in the unknown territory. Now, our building sits on Manahawk land, but the creek with our name is an unknown between two nations. And the name of the creek, Akatink, is an Algonquin word. And that was the language spoken by the Piscataway. And it means the village at the end of the hill. It was the name of the largest village in the area. And that is now our name. This land between two nations. Unknown heritage connected with a geological feature. And imagine the impact of the First Nations on this land for thousands of years of human activity. This creek that we now know that reaches so far through our history may not have had that structure, may not have had that source were it not for the land management of people here for thousands of years. Somehow this creek crosses the land, and this creek and its name into the conversation of people naming a church, people seeking a name that would bring people together across difference. We bear a name that ties us through history to a village at the end of a hill, to a land between nations, to a connection among our founders. What does it mean and what shall it mean to be so named. The welcome lesson from the river is once joined, we are never completely separate. Even if we branch off, the river, the waters have run together. It's a vital teaching for a religious community because merging in a confluence and branching off happens again and again in the ongoing life of a church. New members join, others move away. Others pass away, and they are forever part of our creative potential. They are forever part of our story and what we imagine. Ministers have come and gone, too, and while here sharing their vision and their care and being inspired by your wisdom and your needs and hopes, and then branching off, like Reverend Linda just has, but never truly gone, nor you from her. We are welcomed on a creative journey and are always part of our future. In an ultimate sense, the river is an invitation into that creativity. In the book, After God, the theologian Mark Taylor utilizes the water the moving water as a metaphor, to convey the phenomenal potential, the creative potential of a religious community like ours. Taylor's not a theist per se, meaning he doesn't believe in a a God entity that makes decisions. Rather, he's chasing after that ultimate concept beyond God, as he says in the title, after God. It's actually a little more mind-bending than that. But I think that's a topic for another sermon. For Taylor, once we get beyond the specific constraining symbols that people have attached to the concept God, then he writes that the divine is not elsewhere, but it is emergent among us, among everything. And it is the creativity that gives shape, that figures and disfigures and refigures the very fabric of our lives. Imagine the river, the deep channel figuring life, defining the food for a region, shaping what we do, and then the confluence of streams like all of our ideas coming together, bringing new nutrients, crashing and spinning, changing earth and rocks. For Taylor, the moving water is the basis of our potential as living beings, and also the metaphor. For the basis of human meaning. He writes, religion is an emergent, complex, adaptive network of symbols and myths and rituals that on the one hand figure our ways of feeling and thinking and acting that give life meaning, and on the other hand, disrupt, dislocate, and disfigure every stabilizing structure. How are we pulling together and taking apart, like the river? We come together in community, and we find meaning here when it resonates with our lives. We find deep meaning in the channels of ideas and needs, the rhythm of our services, the structures that we are familiar with. This is the figuring part, how we shape. But we find meaning and comfort here. This is not all to be disfigured. But also, when Taylor says disrupt and dislocate, he means that when we come together and make meaning, we are doing so in a confluence of ideas, your story, your hopes, your needs, all of us together, stirring up, changing what each of us imagined before, disfiguring our hard-set opinions, loosening our absolute view on what the truth was. We are dislocating the old ideas. We are adding new ways of being and relating, and that makes transformation possible. It makes your transformation possible and mine. It makes this whole congregation's transformation possible. And then we become a new river, that is a new source moving through the world But what shall we loosen? Taylor writes this, one of my most favorite quotes. The most pressing dangers we currently face result from the conflict of competing absolutisms that divide the world between oppositions that can never be mediated. Absolutism takes many forms and it shares roots in what we call dichotomous thinking, or black-and-white thinking, good and evil, right and wrong. It is in the shape of quick judgment and easy solutions of a privileged mind who may find it's so easy to condemn the poor or the afflicted. You would never make that decision. Don't they know better? So, absolute And it is also in the reactivity of fundamentalism, convinced that anybody who believes differently is evil. For Taylor, the ideas that undergird absolutism are what we must refigure, dislocate, and remake. That is the mighty potential of our faith, of our religion, which is about interdependence and diversity and a congregation whose sources include a name to connect us across difference. Our power is not in being a stagnant pond that takes all and sits still. Our power is in how we invite all in, in order to remake the very meaning of our lives together, coming together to imagine the ways that we can become and the ways of sharing our stories and hopes that are meaningful and hopeful and drawing us into that mysterious future. Remaking the ideas and symbols of connection across differences, and this is exactly what the founders did when they gave us the name Akatink as a symbol of connection, and it is exactly what the Piscataway and Manahoke land creek still makes possible today. What will we make possible tomorrow? Amen.